Yo, what's good, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Five Mics, husband, father, educator, writer, MC. The microphone gives me wings. Uh, thank you for joining the Idea of Manhood podcast, uh, where we discuss issues from the perspective of, I guess, from my perspective, right? Just a regular dude, right? Um, but no, like we, we we like to talk about issues here, um, and then and then really push and encourage and empower men to be better, and leave everybody that we engage with, everyone that we interact with, better as a result of that interaction, right? Um, you know, we're we're in, we're in a place now in 2019. Where, where men really need to be life givers and not, you know, suckers of life, um, you know, taking the energy and the power and the time uh, and the resources from people around us. That's really not what we're supposed to be. I really feel like God is, God makes us uh, so that we, uh, everything that we touch becomes better. Not from like everything that we touch isn't already great. But um, just that all of our interactions should be positive and, and should leave uh, things in a better place than they were when we got there. So thank you for tuning in. That's what we focus on on this podcast. Um, this is season four, episode eight, maybe. I don't know. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. I have a lot to talk about. Once again, if you caught last week's episode, I am in the car. Uh, during soccer practice while my son is at soccer practice, just trying to utilize all of the time that I have, um, you know, especially with my commuting situation where I live in one state, I work in another state, um, and I'm, you know, just trying to be respectful to myself and to the people that I love with my time. Uh, and so instead of just sitting in the car, thumbing through, flicking through Instagram, or Facebook or reading whatever I'm 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 doing something productive that that actually helps me out. Um, this podcast I I said this before in previous seasons like if you don't have a podcast and you don't really have a lot of people to talk to, get a podcast. You know what I'm saying? Even if you only have two listeners talking, especially for men, as much as it may be against like what traditional rules say we should do, you know it's really helpful for us to talk. Because in a lot of the environments that I'm in, uh, I don't get a lot of chance to speak without someone offering their advice or someone offering their input or someone being critical to to something that I'm saying. Uh, and so while sometimes that's awesome, uh, many times it's like, can I get my shit out first like <laughs> before you jump in? Um, and so that's really what this podcast is for me, just a way for me to get my thing out. So every podcast we start just with the fist bump, and that's just like, you know, a way, a word, something that hit me this week, something I want to share with you all, a quote. It could be a verse. It could be a, a song lyrics. Um, and this week, um, I'm kind of freestyling. Um, every three or four episodes. I'm just going to speak from the heart. I'm not going to have an agenda. I'm not going to have, um, I'm not going to follow my traditional format and just speak, uh, with what's on my heart in the moment. Right. Um, and I know a lot of folks getting married, you know, that, that are recently engaged that are, you know, jumping the broom that are making these commitments and it's beautiful to see. It's wonderful to see. And, and I love it. And, um, I also want to tell those folks, 
So if you're if you're about to get married or if you're 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 newlywed or if if you're thinking about proposing or being proposed to, I just want you to listen um, for 30 seconds as I say just this: that the wedding is cool, but as much time and as much money and as much resources and as much thought that goes into planning a wedding, you have to put that same amount of energy, thought, resources, money into planning your marriage, right? If you want your marriage to be successful, you really have to contribute to it, right? Um, I know me, I'm thinking of myself, in that, you know, like, hey, I'm a good person. My wife is a good person. Like, we don't have to, like, work at it. Like, we're good people. Like, if we work on each other or whatever, take time, whatever we can, like, our marriage is going to naturally grow and develop into this beautiful thing. And let me tell you, that's not the case. You know what I'm saying? It's just not the case. Um, you really have to... I don't like to use the word work, right? Because I remember people telling me, uh, when we were a young couple, we were engaged, even when we were dating, like, oh, you got to work. It's so hard. And da -da, like, and I know as me, like, I like work hard. Like, this shouldn't be hard. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I love you, you love me. Like, this shouldn't be work in the same sense. Like, I hate going to work, so why would I put that label on my marriage? No, what I would like to put on that is... Um, concentrated effort, um, concentrated time, intentional time to talk about your marriage, to talk about your relationships, um, you know, and to really, I don't want to say tackle because that's, that's a, that's a deficit based word, you know, to build upon the wonderful things that drew you both together but then also to focus on the future and to plan. And um, I'm not even talking financial, all that stuff. All, that's technical stuff. And those things could be changed with one conversation. If you're having a difficult financial situation, you could talk to a financial person and fix it. Kind of, but not really. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a technical thing. Like, oh, you don't like your mirror? Get a new mirror. Uh, you don't like your, you know, you don't like the cobblestone in the front of your house? Get a contract and get a new one. What I'm talking about here is, like, shit that, that, that you can't fix, in an instant, right? And that if habits are formed that are really hard to break, it can ruin a friendship and your marriage. So all I'm saying is new couples, old couples, fiancés, dating people, whatever, whoever it is, you know, really invest time, invest your resources, build upon the things that you appreciate, plan a little bit, look into the future, um, and, and, and be honest, like, to this day, you know, I've been married for two, almost 17, wait, no, is that, is that right? I've been married for almost 17 years, right? Said, like, I've been married for, like, a long gas time, right? And, um, there are still times in our marriage now where my wife and I aren't honest with one another. You know what I'm saying? Like, not that we lie to each other like, oh, I have, I told you I had $20, but I really had 60 Not that, but like, where we're not 
you know, where we're not being authentic about our feelings about a situation or where, you know, we may be hiding feelings or, oh, I must try to save their feelings and, you know, not tell them the whole truth. And every single time, even after 17 years, it comes back to bite us in the ass. And each time, once we get over it and once we get to the end of the situation, we're always like, I should have just told you. Like, I should have just told you what I was feeling. Like, I should have just, I should have said X, Y, and Z. Or, you know, I should have told you that this hurt my feelings. Or I should have told you that, you know, I already did this when I, you know, I know you did it, but I don't want to hurt your feelings. So I just kept it inside and now I blew up. Like, shit like that. Those are the little situations that seem little in the moment, but then... As things happen, they just continue to deteriorate the strongest of relationships, the strongest of people will succumb succumb to just like inauthentic interactions. So my young couples, just focus on being authentic. In church this week, um pastor talked about you know the balance between truth and grace right so you know the the honesty and the the need for honesty the need for the truth and telling people what you know maybe not what they want to hear but the things that are truth that are true and to do it in a way that's graceful and shows care and love that's a really tricky balance You know, there's sometimes where you just have to be truthful and there's not a lot of room for grace. But as a husband, I'm speaking from a man's perspective, I think that's where a lot of us could use some, you know, use some thought and just, you know, just not like we're bad at it. But I think that um, I think that's just a muscle that a lot of us can use, uh, can can develop. And I think on the flip side, if we're being stereotypical and kind of painting with the broad brush, I think whereas women could, you know, are are beautiful and wonderful at being graceful and allowing, you know, you know, people's giving people a lot of grace, but not being so great with the truth piece, especially when it comes to their own truth. You know what I'm saying? Um, that's where I feel like there could be some work. So I don't know who needed to hear that. I don't know um, who that's going to help. But please, 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 young couples, old couples, divorcees, boyfriend, girlfriend, colleagues, anytime there's a relationship that needs to flourish and and there's a goal at the end of that relationship, you got to take the time to focus on authentic interactions. So that's my word. That's my fist bump of the day. I'm not going to really follow the traditional. You know, normally I go into music and I talk about, you know, schools and I talk about the thing. I'm, I'm jumping straight to the royalty for today. Um, and that's just the meal of this episode is um, I, I'm having a real hard time, y'all, with the media right now. I'm having a really hard time um, processing what to do with the media. And this is me as a 42-year-old man. Uh, This is me as a husband and a father of a 12-year-old and a 6-year-old. This is me as a professional, uh, as as someone that is college-educated and, you know, has been working for 20 years. I'm having a really, really difficult time um, 
with the media. Now, what's interesting is at one point in time in my you know, in college, I wanted to go into mass communication. I, you know, this is when there was such a thing, when there was such a thing as mass communication major, right? I wanted to go to Syracuse. I wanted to study like, you know, mass comm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, because the concept of information being shared in a grand way is still very compelling to me. I think that's a part of the reason why this podcast is such nourishment for me, um, because something about my voice and my story and my reflections being spread out to a large group of people to have some level of interaction is 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 really striking to me, and and I, and I, I appreciate that. Um, with that said. Uh, I also recognize and have recognized all my life since a young child, like just the power of media, the power of, excuse me, I'm taking a sip of water in a very loud container. Hold on. Sorry about that. Uh, um, I've also, I've always recognized the power of the media. And something I've talked about many times on the podcast is social media, right? Uh, And how impactful it is, how people use it so flippantly and in really weird ways. Um, And how the convergence of social media and uh, traditional, I don't know, traditional media, whether it's newspaper, television, um you know, telephone, telecommunication, that kind of thing. Like, all those things converging together is, I don't know, it's a powder keg, right? Throw in there some really intense political times, throw in there some really intense racial, um, racial, racial evolution. Like, there's a lot of shit. Like, there's just a lot happening with culture right now like the sociology of america right now is bugged out like i don't i don't know another way to say it and i'm not sure like i i would love to like take a a modern sociology class right now you know my background is in sociology and psychology you know so i i studied interdisciplinary social psychology right so you know basically like how people move, how people operate, how people think, um, and, and over the course of history, um, and and how cultures move and develop, and you know, I've always said this that in this day and age, we are reacting to cultural phenomenon phenomena in a way that is unlike any other time in history. We are reacting to it, not just reacting to it. We are changing so many cultural methodologies overnight as a result of social media. And things are shifting and changing before we can even really understand why we're doing it thinking through what the ramifications are of these changes 
what does this mean for ourselves, our families, our jobs, and so on, and everything around us. So, you know, like, that's the part for me as somewhat of a sociologist, like, I don't know if I would put that on my title, but, you know, someone that studied sociology and psychology, like, that's the part for me in this day and time that's really challenging to decipher because we're just moving at warp speed, and I really don't think we know what we're doing. I really don't think our leaders, you know, quote-unquote, the folks that we deem to be leaders, are doing a great job at guiding people, young people, old people through this really crazy ass time right now. So we're applying, it's like we're applying either like old school methods to it or we're flying by the seat of our pants. And no one's really focusing on like historically, how have we handled huge shifts in technology? Historically, how have we handled like huge shifts in you know, uh, the, the collective thought process of, of, of disempowered people. Like, how has that happened historically, and how can we apply those theories to modern day and times where the news cycle changes every 30 seconds, where there's this, like, hyper-focus on just the craziest things that really don't mean anything, that get people to click and advertise, you know what I'm saying? So... All of that saying, like, in the past, you know, in the past maybe year and a half, um, especially since Trump has been in office, um, there's, like, a convergence of a lot of stuff. Like, there's a lot of freaking... It's just a lot. And And it's to the point where, like, I can describe it but, like, by the time I describe it, it'll change. You know what I'm saying? So, what has me really thinking and rethinking about this right now is this whole situation with your boy, Jesse Smollett, right? Um, where you really have, like, three identities, four different identities that are at play, where you have three different mediums you know, social media, actual media, you know, mass communication, television. You have, like, all these different mediums at play. And you have power at play. You have law enforcement. It's just so much shit with this one case. And what I keep on coming back to is this. We need to relax. We need to take time when we are responding to everything, including people, including our children, including our colleagues, including that text message Shorty sent you last night. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need to take our time and utilize some critical thinking, right? Everything in school right now, if you have a young kid in school, everything in American education right now is focused on helping kids to become better critical thinkers. Now, part of me thinks it's a setup because 
Very rarely in society right now do young people have to be critical thinkers. You know what I'm saying? It, it seems as if young people are more rewarded if you respond quickly um, with very short-sighted goals and objectives. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then if you're able to be flexible enough to respond again and again and again and again, as opposed to I see like critical thinking is like, oh, let me sit and think about this. Look at it. OK, let me plan five steps ahead before I act, do it and then watch. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I, I, I know I'm all over the place, but I, I promise it's coming back together. So. When the whole Jesse Smollett now, I, I just want to be very clear that. I had a whole entire ass podcast about Jesse Smollett with, with with my frat with my brother with my friend Brandon Brown where we talked about the importance of uh straight men, heterosexual men, specifically black men in this case, being upstanders and allies and what that means and our actions and so on and so forth as a result of Jussie's claims. Now, regardless of whether his individual claims are real or not, I don't think I'm saying right now that doesn't matter to me in connection to that message from that podcast three weeks ago. It's still absolutely the same. We are still being called men, straight men, gay men, whoever, to be um, upstanders, not bystanders. We still called upon to um Think about how our identities and their intersections play against other people's. How are we speaking to, impacting, talking to folks at the margins, the people that need us the most, whose voices aren't heard, who are the most unseen? We are still uh, making that a priority for all of our interactions, period, end of sentence. And uh, Jussie Smollett lied his ass off. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, I don't even know if his story or him in particular is that important. I think he'll, you know, I'm not involved or care really too much about the sensational sensationalism of him as a star, as a person, ramifications of his career. I don't give a fuck about his career. You know what I'm saying? Um, but what I do think that we really need to pay close attention to is... How the media responded to this, how we all responded or didn't respond, what we wanted to say and we didn't and why we didn't do that. Um, I feel we need to be really critical at what news stations followed, what aspects of what story, um, how Jesse and his camp utilized and 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 utilized certain symbols which is also communication certain symbols and phrases and and played on the fears of the people and how the media which is a fear-mongering tool in this day and age used the fears that Jesse elevated to stoke and to build a fire on all of our fears. That shit is so crazy. So as much as Jesse lied or is lying or maybe he's lying, I don't know. 
But what I do know, and I'm looking at it happening, is that the way that the media, even the point in which the Jesse Smollett story hits the news broadcast that you watch. So they know news is 4, 5, 6, 7, 10, and 11, whether it's the first story or the third story, or if it's in the entertainment section, or if it's right after the sports, or if it's in like the political section or the pop culture section, like the way that they are manipulating the story to fire up whatever the fuck base they're interested in galvanizing and moving, my thing is moving to do what? What do they want us to do? Like what do, how do they, big they, quote unquote they, media they, what do they want us to do with this information? Right? So I'm thinking it's manip- they're manipulating us. You know, be, and, and every week, now mind you, those that might not recognize or see the cycles, we're in sweeps month right now, right? So February, like January, February, some of March, even depending, are sweeps months. Sweeps is when, you know, the TV shows come back after the mid-season opener and they know that, you know, it's after the Super Bowl, it's going to be a lot of new commercials and there's a lot of what? Money involved, right? So usually there's a big scandal every February. You can look it up. It, I didn't make this up. Um, it's it's anybody that study a little bit of comms, a little bit of communications understands that February and May are sweeps month. That's when they come back in September. When the shows start in September and October, when they end in December and they start back in February, and then when they end again, the season finales and series finales in May. Um, this is a thing, right? Um, and there's usually a huge political, sports, drama, entertainment story that is pushed during these times. Um what do they want us to do with this information? Does the media really care about Jesse? Do they care about these two Nigerian Yo, Why are they telling me they're Nigerian, dog? Why are they tell like why do I care that these two dudes are Nigerian? What does that have to do with anything? You see what I'm saying? So it's like you have all this immigration stuff that they're talking about every five minutes. So they're building walls. There's a national emergency. Jesse, two Nigerians, crime, noose, bleach, MAGA. You know what I'm saying? It's all, what, the, what are they doing? What are they doing? And as soon as they put this out there, people react, oh, pray for Jesse. Oh, my God. MAGA hats. What? Uh, you know what I'm saying? And then and then people are responding to make like, you know, to be the first person to to, to get that tweetable uh, message. You know, people try to go viral with their responses to shit 15 seconds after it happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, for what? For what? What are we doing this for? 
You know what I'm saying? I just don't understand. I mean, no, 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 no. I very, very much so understand why they're doing this. They're doing this to scare you, to scare me, to scare us. They're doing this to scare us so that when we are somewhere, the way to get over our fear is to buy something. That is probably somewhat related to our fear, right? Or the thing that we want more of. You know what I'm saying? Um, So the scare tactic, this fear mongering, um, all of this is so that we can go into the store and buy more stuff. I'm just questioning what is it that they want us to buy? What stores do they want us to buy it from when do they want us to buy like i just feel so i feel manipulated and i'm really not that dude that is is like believes everything that comes on tv i'm usually like yo that sounds mad shaky but peep this this is this is when i started to feel played with I have a thread, you know, a thread of friends, and, and we were talking about the Jesse thing and um, when it first happened, and everybody was so, oh, my God, oh, everybody was so, um, you know, in support and scared and so many things, so many feelings, right? But my first gut feeling was like, guys, I I don't know. Didn't? Didn't they say, like, two people jumped him? They showed his injuries. He don't really look that beat up. Where's the bleach? There was a story of a woman in Maryland whose crazy ex-boyfriend threw bleach on her, uh, or vice versa. She threw bleach on him. I can't remember. But bleach was thrown, and it killed them. The burns killed him. It was a man. The man was killed with the bleach. And so I'm thinking, like, oh, man, he's going to be messed up. Like, the bleach. And they showed his picture, and he looked chilling. But regardless of the details, I was scared to be someone that's not supportive of a black gay man, you know, because I didn't necessarily believe what he was saying. So this media thing, like what they are causing people to feel and fight and disagree and agree with each other on so many different levels, is like it's also causing our thought process to be compromised. A lot of people, when they first heard this, was like, huh? What? News? But they didn't say anything because, like, everything is so villainized. If you say anything about... Uh, about any marginalized group, especially let's be key, let's keep it very real, especially against LGBT com- communities, it's it's pretty a, it's a hard way to recover from that, and that's been proven over and over again. Now, mind you, just within the last three years, have people really started to care about gay people, right? So it's not like oh, people have been caring about gay people for forty years. I mean, this just happened six minutes ago, so. You know, and much like many things in America, there's this pendulum swing and, you know, we're always trying to ride the ship. But um, anyhow, I say all that to say this, that I just want us all to take a few moments before we respond to anything. 
You know, especially those of us like we're old. I'm 42. A lot of my friends are in their 30s and 40s and 50s. Like we know better. You know what I'm saying? Let's use conventional wisdom to be responsive to things and just to wait and to ask questions of our younger brothers and sisters in a way that still shows love in a way that still is like, you know what I'm saying? Where you can disagree with someone and not be disagreeable where you can question without being like uh you know uh dismissive um and i think those are skill sets that as older people as middle-aged people we should be better at that you know what i mean we we should be the ones that are like whoa, 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 whoa hold, hold on a second all right you know i love you bro like i love all my lgbt brothers and sisters but let me can we ask some questions here, whether it's the Jesse thing or whether it's whatever? It could be even if it's about Trump, if it's about Kanye West, if it's about your mama, if it's about your your, your drunk, uh, your thug uncle, like whatever it is, like we are so quick to rush to judgment. And I think we need to do a better job chilling taking a little time being reasonable um being fair and just and and letting our emotions right like emotions are there for a reason letting them form <laughs> like letting our emotions form and, and, and so we're not in this reactive constantly reactive state and being played because that's how you get played when you're always responding to something and you're not thinking that's how you get played and that's in every kind of relationship so that's why i leave you all with today again i'm a little bit over over time but um that's just i just want you in whatever group you're in as you're talking about this podcast if you care if you want to just um just think about that you know I see my son reacting to stuff like this. I see my son, who's 12, reacting to things in a more paced way than adults are right now. You know what I'm saying? And and that's just, that's not right. That's not right. So I think we all need to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to use my judgment. I'm going to be vocal about, you know, hey, I don't know, and, and really... Um, uh, and really be a little bit more selective in my reactions, right? And I encourage all of you to do the same when you can. All right, yo, thank you so much for tuning in. This is the Idea Manhood Podcast. Five mics, husband, father, educator, writer, MC. Uh, the microphone gives me wings and all that, blah, blah, blah. All right, peace. One, love y'all. Well, I don't love, well, okay, yeah, bye.